pull up a chair and buckle up. It's the Original Strength Podcast. Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning in to this week's edition of the Original Strength Podcast. I've got my good friend Josh Hillis back to talk to us this week about emotional eating and all other exciting fun stuff like rabbits and Easter eggs. <laughs> Josh. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Thanks, Dan, man. It's good, it's good to be back. Good to be back. <laughs> so, Josh, um, we, we talked about uh, eating skills uh, last time yeah. you were here, uh, but this week, let's, you, you said we had some good things we could dialogue about for emotional eating. Yeah. Um, emotional eating is like really my research interest right now. And, um, and it, it, it made me think about it because you were just talking about um, that thing that I posted where it was like, it's okay to change your opinion based on new facts. And this is one of those things where um, I, like, like I've shifted everything in the, in the last five years, especially. Um, Before you get started, I just want to yeah. verify you did say it is okay to change your opinion <laughs> based on the latest facts or evidence. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Okay. I just want to make sure I got that. Yeah, which, um, which like in, in reality, um, isn't necessarily easy. Like, like a lot of people have brought up the fact that the things that I'm saying now are drastically different from my first book. And that's like kind of weird, right? They're like, Hey, like you built this business on this thing and I was into it. And now you're saying this other thing, you well, know, like that's, that's, you know, so the first book was fat loss happens on Tuesday. <laughs> right? Monday. Monday. Yeah. But that's what that, okay. That was going to be my joke. I, I totally messed up my joke. <laughs> so I was going to ask you, well, is it okay if it happens on Tuesday or Wednesday? But never mind. I just totally ruined the joke. <laughs> I was like, there's a joke there, but I'm missing there it. was. Uh, I went to the punchline instead of. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Cool. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah. So like, like the first book was very much, um, it was, uh, for the people that haven't seen it, and probably most, you know, aren't, if you aren't familiar with me, um, it was really early on, like, habit change with nutrition, but it really still put, like, food logging first, and at, at the time, I was really known for pushing food logging, and for counting calories, and, and all that kind of stuff, and um, what I was trying to get at at the time was that I'd been using food logging to coach behavior, like I'd been looking at the food log and going like, oh, these are the habits that would make a difference. And like one of the biggest shifts after that is I realized like you can actually like, like the, the food content is almost like a distraction from, from working on the behaviors for a lot of people. Um, so that was a big shift. We don't count calories anymore. We like, we have other ways of being, it's, it's not that we don't manage food intake and it's not that we don't track anything but um but we track behaviors like am i putting the fork down between bites am i checking out with my stomach nurse am i full am i you know putting four to six hours between meals without without snacking and um so there's I still think it's getting tracked but like drastic departure from essentially like a calorie counting based system you know like that's that's a that's a big change and um and like going to the emotional eating thing uh, <laughs> and, and, and over for the people that emotional eating is an issue and over focus on counting calories and food content absolutely makes it worse. Oh, and, and that's, that's just a factor of moralizing food. 
right? And and this is this is one of those things where like I always want to be really clear that like all of that stuff works for somewhere between fifteen and thirty percent of people, right? So if you're listening, you're like, oh, I can't calories is fine with me, and that's 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 cool, that's cool. Um, there, you're absolutely in that subset of the population, and then there's this other like bigger group that um, that leads them towards moralizing food, which is what most diets kind of do. And that um, like really strongly correlates with over restriction and then overeating, emotional eating, reactivity, which is like you see something, you're like, I just have to have it. Like it makes all those things worse. So basically though, your big shift though is, is because you're trying to help people struggle less. Yeah. And get there faster or easier or, or better for their own emotional well-being. Yeah, so, so it's, it's cool that you said that because um, I'm out of the game of trying to get people there faster. Ah, okay. I'm trying to get more people there. Right on. And, it, and it's different, and it's different because like for that 15% of people that like diets really work for, we could be much more aggressive and get them there and get them there faster. Like, like we totally could and they can't, and that's, and that's cool. But the things that work for that group are going to destroy the other group. And so if I can get the, if I can get these other people that have been completely underserved, like, like com completely, um, if I can get them there in twice the time the the other group would get there, that's fine because their, their other option was never. Their, their other option was diet over strict, overeat, fail, start again next year, every single year, like, like, like hamster wheel going, going nowhere. Right. So it's kind of like, but it's very similar to like, say the exercise world where you've got all these fitness centers that are open, but they're only serving the people that yeah. actually like they're the fit people go to the fitness centers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Even like the exercisers are the ones that Absolutely. go to the exercise centers, but everybody else that could benefit from a healthy lifestyle of movement and stuff are the ones you really want to get in there. But those are the ones that don't go in there. Yes. That is a perfect, perfect, perfect example. And like, um, for people listening that like haven't worked in a, in a gym and like, like don't realize that like, like it, it is really a minority of the population and we're kind of like passing around these like fit people from like thing to thing. And the, the number of, of new people that get into that is, is really small. Um, and that sucks. And like, I have thoughts about that too, but that's a, that's a different thing. <laughs> that's on the next show. <laughs> totally. um, so that, that was like, that was one of the big shifts was it's like, okay, these things that work for like this group of people and, and all the trainers are in that group of people right? And all the people that have done well with diets that you've talked to, like, like you talk to your friend and, and, and like, he or she did really well with this diet, right? That's cool. Like they're in this group. So we've got this, like all these people that did do well. Um, but, um, but like at, everyone else just isn't. So, um, so that first shift was like, like, how do we not have this like over-focus on food and, and moralization of food and magic food and like magical macronutrients and all these like, like pretty arbitrary rules that might have like some kernel of truth, but are like way overblown. 
Um, how can we put all that aside? And then the next big shift was um, I found a study on um, acceptance. Actually, uh, my friend Georgie Fear found a study on acceptance and commitment therapy versus cognitive behavioral therapy for behavioral weight loss. And um, that's a mouthful. But, but basically, for, <laughs> for the people listening at home, what it basically amounted to was here's an acceptance-based program. Here's, one where, here's a program where um, you're going to accept that you're an imperfect human and you're going to accept that you have cravings sometimes and you're going to accept that you have emotions and we're going to find some tools to like be with those and still take actions that matter to us like still take actions in line with like um like being intentional about our eating and and so that was one intervention that was the acceptance-based intervention and then the other intervention was entirely based on like changing your thoughts that if you change your thoughts you can change your emotions and um and what we find is is kind of like a like a, a similar sort of thing to the, the calorie counting thing where there's a percentage of people that like changing your thoughts, change your emotions to do better with food cravings and emotional eating works better for us for a one percentage of people. There's a much bigger percentage of people the, the people that have the hardest time with emotional eating do better with a program based on accepting that it's okay to have a full range of human emotions. And so like, I, if, if anyone watching, if anyone listening has seen the movie um, Inside Out, the, the Pixar movie, um, that kind of like is the whole deal. Like that whole thing where like, it's okay to have joy and it's okay to have sadness and it's okay to have, and, um, and then what, like once you can be with sadness or you can be with frustration or you can be with stress, then you don't, like, you don't have to fix it with food, right? You don't have to go like, oh, wow, everyone looks happy on social media. Like, if, if I'm sad today, that's wrong. I need to eat something to fix it. You can actually go like, oh, wow, I'm sad today. And I've got these tools where I can be with being sad, but I can still do the things that matter to me. I can be intentional about my eating. I can um, connect with my family in meaningful ways. I can do what matters at work. Like I can do all those things while I'm being sad. I don't have to like fix that first. And, and, so, and so again, like for the people that, that struggle the most with emotional eating, that is a more effective strategy. And that was a, that was a like, it, like mind exploded, huge shift for me. Like that, it was very different from what I was doing before. So what you're, I guess what I'm hearing you say is that to, to take the acceptance approach though, the person has to be uh, mindful. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Like they have to be really plugged into themselves, like to be aware uh, that they're feeling a certain way. Um, and then they have to take a, and use this word on the last episode that we did. Uh, they have to. They're gonna have to take a self-compassionate approach to to whatever they're experiencing. Um, is that? And then somehow. Yes somehow give themselves enough space to make an appropriate action uh, yeah. that will put them in the direction that they want to be. Is that dude nailed it. You said it way clearer than I did. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I'm just trying to, I'm the translator. 
<laughs> yeah. So, so what would you like, like you're talking about like the mindfulness, um, it requires a certain amount of noticing your own thinking, right. And noticing your own emotions. And the, one of the things that's really funny is that, um, uh, like, like, I, I don't know if we talked about like noticing and labeling emotions, but, um, the the funny thing is they've done uh, they've done some really cool interventions where they where they um, looked at people's coping strategies and whether or not they could differentiate what their emotions were and if someone could could notice and like label their emotions any coping strategy that they use will be more effective on the flip side if they can't differentiate their emotions um, then uh, whatever coping strategy they used was less effective. Interesting. And so just by virtue of the fact that you actually like, like took a minute and, oh, that's, that's the other thing. You want to get really nerdy about it? You don't have to get the emotion right. You just got to label it? Yeah. You just need to stop and check in with yourself and go like, oh, that's probably sadness or that's probably frustrate like like different like sometimes um and i bring this up because i've done this a lot with clients and clients sometimes go like oh i couldn't tell if it was frustration or stress you know like and and that that doesn't like broad strokes <laughs> you know <laughs> like it's what what you said before about the mindfulness and the checking in that's the part that makes the biggest difference and so when people check in they go like oh like I'm me here and I can see this feeling that I'm having. And I think it's probably something like this. That makes everything else possible. It, it actually gives us a little bit of distance. Um, it's, not, it's not running us anymore. It's still there, it's still uncomfortable, but it gives us some wiggle room to take actions that might be different from how we responded to that that feeling in the past. So you know what's interesting is like, I don't know if you've ever read Crucial Conversations. No, I've heard, I've heard such good things. Okay, but the prim, okay. You, you're, you're really, you're, you're having crucial uh, conversation, well, crucial eating skills or crucial uh, dietary uh, lifestyle choices because, yeah. so in Crucial Conversations is if you and I are about to have a, conver a conversation that could be crucial. Yes, sure. <laughs> If I, if I know my goal of the conversation and I would like, say I want the greatest good to come out of the conversation. Yeah. If you and I had that conversation and I, and I start to get angry, I have to be able to be aware of that anger and then to sit with it and say, but, and then check, what is my goal? My goal is for the greatest good. I'm not, I don't, so if I don't need to win or we don't need to fight, we just need to come to a win-win so that we can move forward in the right direction. And I'm, I'm butchering crucial conversations, but this is kind of like what it sounds like what you're talking about with, exactly. with the, the recognizing your emotions for the eating. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and it's funny because I, I took a communications class at, at one point that was very much like what you just said. Um, and, um, and so, so yeah, so, so what, what you're saying is, um, is totally dead on because that's, that's, ex that's exactly the same thing. And so like, like, like you said, like, um, noticing your emotions and also like, like knowing like your, your, your intention for the conversation. Was that how you yeah. put it? Um, it's the same thing with eating skills. You've got, 
you've got noticing what's going on and you've got um typically it, it's called like values right um which i'm starting to move away from calling it values because there's so many different ways you can interpret values basically what they're talking about is like a character strength like, like you're looking at like the kinds of character strengths you'd want to embody and you're like, oh, I want to be conscientious or connected or loving or playful or, you know, like a, like a thing like that. Mm -hmm. And so, but the exact same thing where you'd notice like, here's my internal state, but like my intention is to be adventurous. What does it look like to be adventurous? And that's like a weird conversation for someone to, you know, or like, what would it look like to be connected? That might be an easier one, you know, to be like, oh, you know what? Like, I actually could connect with my family right now, or I could connect with my work right now, or I could, or I could um, even connect with myself, you know, like, but those are the kinds of conversations, like, like, what am I actually after right here? And this thing that matters to me, like this kind of person that I want to be, this aspect of the kind of person I want to be, um, is that worth, like, being able to be with? these emotions like if i if i can be this kind of person i want to be even in the presence of uncomfortable emotions then like i i can be this kind of person like kind of all the time and um and again for the people that, that struggle with emotional eating the most um that's pretty consistently the the more effective approach so just for fun let's say yeah. let's say somebody is when, when they do eat, when they get sad yeah. or they're stressier. Yeah. So say somebody gets sad and they want to go um, and start eating like a bag of chips. Yeah. That's their normal. Yeah. How does walk me through an example of being, how being aware that they're sad and then what they can do instead of eating the, the like how to, how to, how do you bridge process. the, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so um, so going back to the eating skills conversation from last time, I, I like to always start with some concrete skills, right? So let's say that one of the one of the guidelines that they're working on um, is uh, four to six hours between meals without snacking, right? So that means that anytime in between meals that they want to have something, that's a cue. I should check in with myself, right? And then they're also working on a guideline. I'm gonna pause 10 minutes between um, the, the craving and actually having something. So that gives me time to check in, right? So, um, so it's you know, eight o'clock at night and it's been two hours since dinner or whatever. And they're like, I wanna eat this bag of chips. So they're like, oh wow, it's only been two hours since dinner. I've got this guideline. So that, this is my cue that I have to check in. And so the first thing I'm gonna do to make checking in work is I'm gonna put in this 10 minute pause between having the craving and whether or not I decide to eat it or not, right? Because if you, if you just go from like, so the other thing is, is most time, um, uh, if this is like your habit, you go from craving to eating in instantly. There's, there's no time to be mindful. So just putting in like 10 minutes, like that, that just gives you like the logistical time <laughs> to actually check in with yourself. So I interviewed uh, George Mumford, who's uh, the author of The Mindful Athlete, super, Ooh. super wise guy. And he always talks about to, to be mindful, 
really what you want is to create a space between the stimulus and the response. So I like him <laughs> or your, or your mandatory pause. What you've done is you've created a 10 minute pause between the stimulus and response. Yeah. So even that, if they exactly only did it. that, you created time for mindfulness, even if they weren't mindful, but you actually had them in the mindset of pause. Yeah, dude. I, that, that, perfect. <laughs> um, I'm learning. <laughs> <laughs> so you've got this 10 minute pause. Um, and inside of that, you're going to start checking in with some stuff. You're going to start checking in with like, am I actually hungry? So do I feel a hollow feeling in my stomach? Do I, um, am I craving a complete meal or is it just the chips? Um, if I wait 10 minutes, does it build or does it fade? And like, if it's been an hour or two since dinner, like you probably already know what those, those answers are going to be. But again, there's a value to checking in with yourself and going like, Oh, my stomach is telling me that I'm not hungry. Okay. So I know that I'm not hungry. And then what's going on? Like what's going on for me right now? And then this is where you might say like, I'm, I'm sad or I'm worried about one of my kids is struggling with a thing and I'm freaked out or deep existential questions about like, wh like where's my life? I mean, like that's the kind of stuff that people might run into. That's a little freaky, right? And so you might say like, okay, all that stuff's coming up. And then you're like, okay, so, so th this is what's up. And this obviously like chips aren't gonna solve that. That's like a pretty temporary solution. Um, then we start playing games around acceptance, right? So there's, there's two things we're gonna look at. We're gonna look at acceptance and a thing called diffusion. Um, actually, we'll just call it unhooking. So we'll say like, like acceptance and unhooking. And so acceptance, there's acceptance of like, oh wow, there's this whole range of human emotions and some of them are uncomfortable. And I am a human and I'm gonna feel uncomfortable emotions sometimes. There's also acceptance of like, wow, like um, my kids are going through this thing or I do have this huge work project and that is really stressful and it's normal for me to feel stressed because I care. And like for me to not care about this, for me to not be stressed out about this would actually be kind of weird because these are things that really truly matter to me, right? And so like, like accepting, like, like I'm in these games that, and I've got, like there's things I do and there's people I love that matter and sometimes that's freaky, right? And, um, and or even like the existential things, like what am I doing with my life? Even just accepting like, hey, I'm a human and that's a thing that humans wonder about sometimes, right? And, and that, that is uncomfortable, right? All those things are uncomfortable. So, so accepting is realizing that like all those things are normal and, and where we start off with acceptance is just realizing that those are normal. Humans have those things, right? Doesn't need to be fixed with chips because you're normal. It might look like your friends never have those, might look like everyone on Instagram doesn't have them, but it's pretty normal for humans to, um, I, I had an addiction studies professor that, that always said like, it's not normal for humans to be up all of the time. Um, and, um, and so there's, that's the acceptance piece. The unhooking is, uh, there's a whole lot of different ways that we could look at getting a little bit of distance, a little bit of wiggle room. It, it could be labeling what we're feeling gets us a little bit of distance like we were talking about before. 
It could be something as simple as saying, I'm noticing I'm having the thought that blank, right? Which is kind of like a, like a, like a really like basic mindfulness thing. I'm separating me as the noticer from the thought itself. Like instead of treating that thought like it's true, like it's command, like it's thing that needs to get fixed, like it's nah. It's like, I'm me the noticer and I'm having these thoughts. The thoughts aren't going away, but I notice I'm having them. That actually creates a ton of space, right? And then um, if we want to get to ninja level, um, you can start using metaphors and there are metaphors like let the monsters ride the bus where you imagine yourself as a bus driver and you're driving your bus and um, you pull over and passengers get on and off the bus and some of the passengers are really cool and they're like, hey, Tim, you look great today. Like everything's going great. You're Thank you. rocking in your life. And um, and some passengers are like monsters. They're like, hey, Josh, you suck. You're doing everything wrong. Like, you're going to fail this diet again. And, you know, you're doing the wrong thing at work. And, right? And that as a bus driver, you don't, your job isn't to choose who gets on and off and when. Your job is to drive the bus. And so you're driving this bus, and sometimes you get cool passengers, sometimes you get monsters. And just labeling that as like, um, sometimes my clients will say like, oh, that's a thought monster, that's a diet monster, that's a cravings monster, whatever. But it's, it's the same kind of thing where you're getting a little bit of distance and they're like, oh, my job is to drive towards my values. My job is to drive towards these character strengths. And in the moment that, that driving is, so, so we, we've got three things now. We've got acceptance, all these things are normal. We've got unhooking, which is like, oh, these monsters get on and off. This existential crisis is gonna get on and off the bus. That's okay. Um, and, um, and just by noticing I'm the driver and it's the passenger, I've got some distance. And then, um, and then we've got like doing something that fits our values. And that doing that thing that fits our values might look like self-care. Um, it might look like, oh, I'm going to go for a walk. I'm going to do some deep breathing. I'm going to do some crawling. I'm going to do some rolling. I'm going to, I'm going to um, listen to some music. I'm going to call a friend. I'm going to pet, you know, it, it could look like something like that. Or it might just be re-engaging with what you were doing. Cause like, I've got a lot of clients that have busy jobs and sometimes they have those feelings in the middle of their work and they can't, maybe they can go for a walk in an hour and a half, but they can't write them when they're feeling it. And all they can do is just say like, oh, I can see this monster. My job is to drive. Right now, driving looks like finishing this task that's, that maybe is, is kind of hard, and especially right now. Or it could be, um, oh, like, like I'm taking care of my toddlers and I can't just like go do some deep breathing right at the second. I'm, well, I mean, maybe you could do some breathing, well, you know, but like, like you can't go sit in a bus, like you can't go do something. You have to actually be like, oh, I notice I'm having these monsters, but like, I'm, I'm going to connect right now or I'm going to, you know, and, um, and so that's kind of like, I, I would almost look at it like self-care is the thing that we put in because we're humans and we need it. Like we need like maintenance, not to like fix this thing. <laughs> like, a lot of times reengaging with life is, is the option that we have in the moment.
So it sounds like we're really talking about, uh, I gotta be careful how I say this, but it sounds like we're talking about spiritual development and or personal growth. And I'm not sure that they're different things. And it also sounds like if that's what we're talking about, once a person learns how to embrace themselves and the power that they have inside of them, that a lot of times maybe that takes care of their nutritional needs, goals, and or all lifestyle choices. Yes, and yeah, yes. <laughs> um, and and the, the the thing that I just want to be really um, really clear about is that the clients that I tend to get that are dealing with emotional eating have actually already done that in other areas of their lives, you know? And so, and so I, I just want to be clear that like, usually they're rocking their career and have these like amazing, wonderful families and have great friends. And like, in a way, this is like the hole where that's not showing up. And I mean, I mean, it could, it could, it could be everywhere, but the, the clients that I tend to get um, tend to have already done that in a lot of other areas, which is just kind of funny. I think, um, I, I think that's everybody that like, I have certain skills where I'm really disciplined in certain, certain areas. Yeah. Like I'll, I'll, I'll compete against anybody in certain areas. Cause I know that I'm so disciplined in those areas. And then there's another parts of my life where I am the most unorganized and undisciplined <laughs> person ever. Totally. So I think we have certain drives and amount of energy that we can pour into some things. And then for other stuff where we've yeah. poured so much into the other, you know, like, yeah, we don't oh, have totally. enough. We've just, we've left gaps or holes because we just haven't spilled into, we've spilled all the, everything we had in over here. Yeah. 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 Um, what that makes me think of is um, this is another important point. If someone was looking to start practicing this, I want them to know that it is very, very, very hard in the beginning. And um, a lot of things are hard in the beginning. This is probably the hardest of anything I've ever had anyone work with. Um, so to like, to like, like in the moment, like in the moment, notice like, like accept and normalize the feelings and then unhook and then take an action that that fits your values to actually do that in the moment is like kind of like a black belt level skill for eating and so if people are trying this out and they struggle with it for the first two weeks i've even had people say that the first two weeks they tried it like it it made it worse um which shows up in research sometimes um that's okay because <laughs> it is a skill and it gets and it gets it gets significantly better and like you were saying before, once people do get it, it opens up everything. Like, like once you no longer have to eat to like fix your internal state, then all the other stuff <laughs> gets way easier if, if that was the thing that was holding you back. And for the clients that hire me, most of the time they're hiring me because that was the thing that was holding them back. <laughs> no, that's, that, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, cause we all want to get there fast. And we, we embark on like, I know I need to work on this area of my life. So you dive into it and maybe you give it everything you got. But then three days later, you're like, oh my gosh. Yeah. It's not here. It hasn't happened yet. I still, <laughs> yeah. what's the deal? 
but yeah. you're talking about building, uh, establishing consistent practice yeah. that pays dividends in the long haul to get you where you want to go so to develop the skill. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. For the people with the biggest emotional eating issues, it, it looks like the evidence we have now shows that, um, that we can reach more people, right? We, we can make a difference for something about like twice as many people with, with acceptance. And so that's a lot, right? And I mean, but then again, you're getting into like, okay, we're still probably leaving 40% of people behind or something like that, but it's the best thing we've got right now. And so coming back around to the, um, the like, if I find something better, I'll change my approach again. Right. <laughs> this is just the best thing I've found right now. Awesome. So everyone, if you've been listening, learning how to accept yourself or what you're feeling is probably a better way of taming your is it habits? Like, is, I don't want to say, but it is your normal response to food. Yeah. 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 Like, like you could say like your, your automatic response, you know, your, your typical, your like historical way of avoiding these emotions. So and that's the part that's really hard is that like emotional eating isn't about food. It's about emotions. Well, Okay, so that was probably the best thing right there. That that's the line of the whole show. Emotional eating is not about food; it's about emotions. Yeah, that was beautiful. Um, and learning how to accept your it was and learning how to accept your emotions can can actually heal you, so that you're not trying to medicate yourself with food. Exactly. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Josh Hillis. <laughs> thank, thank you. Thank you, sir. <laughs>